What's up, guys? This is Miles Markowitz. And this is Brad Thomas. Here to give you the best sports insights to beat your book. You only need to ask one question. What's the spread? All right, and welcome into a college football playoff edition of What's the Spread? How about it? Brad, it is the best day of the year. We are so close. It is a celebration of college football when four of the best teams in the country, the best teams in the country, go at it. Uh, no opt-outs. Uh, yeah. Everything on the line. Uh, doesn't get any better than that. For me, this is a, a unique experience from a betting standpoint. Um, I think that we're going to look at the games a little bit different than if we were you know, fans. And tell us what we got on deck first, and I think it'll make a little bit more sense what I'm talking about. Yeah, so uh, let's just go ahead and kick it off, man. Um, we we got the uh, college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl game, but they're playing the Rose Bowl game in AT&T Stadium. Uh, so a little bit of a different feel here. It's number one, Alabama. Number four, Notre Dame. Bama coming in here as 20-point favorites. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that has got to be the biggest spread in college football playoff history. That's the largest spread that I've seen, and it is absolutely insane. I know Notre Dame looked bad losing a 24-point loss to Clemson, but that's a redemption game from that Clemson team, so you knew they were coming firing. I'm going to have to take the points here. And for Nick Saban, it's not so much of a Notre Dame's that close to Alabama. It's a let's get up comfortable and make sure our guys are healthy. Get them healthy into the final and that's when you really want to go all out. I think it'll be a 12-point game-ish where you start to see where Nick Saban's like, okay, late in the third, we have the game kind of close to that hand. I'm going to start dialing back the pressure a little, bit, a little bit more and start running some clock. I mean, this is an Alabama team that's 8-3 against the spread, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them cover the 20, but I'm just going to have to take the points here. Yeah, I mean, it's a situation where it's so many points, so we almost can't even talk about the game. Uh, we're, we're really talking about, I, I mean – because we know Bama is going to win big. So it's to the point of, are they going to keep their foot down on the gas or are they going to let it off? And I like your theory about keeping them healthy for the final. However, I'm taking Bama here, minus 20. And the reason why, I'm, I looked at and, and thought back to last year's number one versus number four matchup, LSU and Oklahoma. When LSU was coming in as a 14-point favorite, and we were trying to decide, is it too much? Uh, pretty much the same exact situation. Is 14 too much? Yeah. And... I was on the fence about it, and that was because you know of, of Oklahoma's offense. LSU wins the game sixty-three to twenty-eight. I mean, we knew that LSU was the better team, but in a playoff scenario, I mean, and listen, I I know that that LSU is that good, but what I'm saying is, I think this Bama team has proven to be that good. I've seen nothing from Notre Dame. I know that the ACC championship game uh, was a revenge game for Clemson, and that definitely went into the fact that Notre Dame got their ass kicked. But at the same time. I mean, losing 34-10 to 10 in the conference championship game and then getting into the playoff, we've never That's seen That's a disgrace. That. We've never That's seen That's a disgrace. I, I, I mean, I, really, for me, I am at a loss for words. I mean, you and I said, uh, I don't really remember as far back. I, I mean, as far back as mid-November that this was going to be the Final Four, and we were right. Yes. I mean, exactly right. We called this Bama Notre Dame, Clemson Ohio State. Uh, that's how it was going to go down. But to me at this point, now I can't defend it. I can't say this is this is how it should have gone down. That number four spot, I think, should have gone to somebody else. Whether or not it was AM, yes. I, I even think Cincinnati deserved a shot um, at this point. I mean, if Notre Dame loses that game by you know ten or less, then okay. 
34 They lost 24. I, right. Wild. On a neutral field, I just and, – and then even their win in the regular season was in overtime without Trevor Lawrence. So – Yep. And we said all year that we weren't impressed by that win. And yeah, we it, did. It just, and it worked out that way. And it's just, to me, the combination – I know I'm getting a lot off track here, but the combination – the combination of Notre Dame uh, getting their ass kicked in the ACC championship game and then getting into the playoffs still at four and all of these opt-outs that we're seeing from all these stars in these New Year's Six games getting ready for the draft, it really is starting to shape my opinion of what we need to do in college football. I still think that even if we expanded the playoff, we would still get the same teams at the end of the year every single time. However... I think that we do need to start thinking about these New Year's Six games are supposed to mean something. And if it's not the playoff games, they mean absolutely nothing to these players. Yeah. I mean, just nothing. And like, players are opting out like like wildfire. Like, they're like, who cares about this game? Right. And these these New Year's Six games are supposed to be the cream of the crop, and they're just not. I mean, back in the BCS era, when there was only two teams playing for a national title, we had these BCS games actually meaning something. Um, yes, but now now that we've gotten to this point, maybe it's time to rethink about shaping these uh, bowl games to where they're just playoff games. Are we going to still end up with the two best teams, or uh, you know, Bama and Clemson in the final every year? Yeah, probably. But maybe it's just time to think about making these games matter, and so that the sport matters a little more. Yes, I mean, right, Brad. It's the postseason. It's it, this is supposed to be the best of the best. It, it, instead. It's like a uh, kind of reminds me of like a charity golf tournament, you know, where some of the good guys go and then the rest is just like yes. villains. That's what it feels like. Yes, and and it shouldn't feel that way, you know. This the the cultural postseason should feel better, and that's why you and I always talk about you know championship Saturday being such an exciting day because all those games matter. There are no opt outs. Everybody is going full throttle. Um. But, with the, you know, it's still the college football playoffs, so we still get those two games, and we still get that day, which is great. So let's go ahead and move into what's going to be a much more competitive game, I hope. Uh, number two, Clemson. Number three, Ohio State. Uh, Clemson, I saw, moved to seven and a half at one point, but it looks like they're back to seven. I'm going to guess that's where it's going to settle, and I'll go ahead and start uh, here. Obviously, I'm taking Ohio State plus seven, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think Ohio State is going to win the game, but... What I am going to say is that seven is enough for me to take Ohio State and believe that they can keep it within a touchdown. Everybody is right for thinking what they're thinking about this game and what they're thinking about Ohio State. Um, how we've only played six games. How at times we haven't looked prepared. It's hard to, it's just so difficult to judge a team that has only played six games when you've got a Clemson team over here that has played 11 and they've had two games against Notre Dame. Uh, to you know, test their metal to to test their strength. Whereas you know, with Ohio State, we end up playing Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game, and they play us tough as hell. We find a way to get the win, but how good is that Northwestern team? You know, we don't really know how good any of those Big Ten teams are. And I stay. Don't get me wrong. I stand by my Indiana statement because I can't back away from that right now. I think Indiana <laughs> is one of the best teams in the country still. But what I'm saying is, is that it, it, it's so hard to tell what this Ohio State team is going to bring. But what I'm going to say is there is no way in hell that Justin Fields is going to look as poorly as he did 
in that game against Northwestern. I can't sit here and tell you what was going on, but what I can say is that missing Chris Olave hurt bad. The trust, really bad. The trust that Fields has in Olave, and not just Olave, it's the combination of having Olave and Wilson on the field at the same time. It creates a matchup nightmare for any secondary. Our offense does not run through Trey Sermon. It had to run through Trey Sermon to survive that game. And I said it from the beginning of the year. This offense runs through fields, finding Alave and Wilson on slants and on deep routes. And that's how, I'm not saying we're going to win, but that's how we're going to cover the plus seven. Miles, I went back and forth on this. And um, initially I wanted to, to hammer Clemson. Um, and I still might if the number gets lower. But seven points in a college football playoff versus a team in Ohio State that I think is a live underdog is too many. Now, if I thought Ohio State stood zero chance to win, I will definitely come take the seven. I would definitely take Clemson and lay the seven. But listen, this Clemson team, despite their victory against Notre Dame, they're not the, the national championship teams that we've seen of old. Their offense, it's okay. Their offense really starts running and starts moving when Trevor Lawrence becomes dynamic. And by that, I mean he moves out of the pocket and they design runs for him a little bit more because then they have a little bit more of an element. To me, I don't think the passing game is doing enough with just Justin Ross. I mean, don't get me wrong. This is a Clemson team that's passing for over 300 yards per game and rushing for over 162. But you look for you look at like the teams they've played against aren't particularly strong defensively. And I think that Clemson themselves, like this is a Clemson team who's allowing like 17 points per game when they're generally down to like the 14 number. And most of those games are against weaker ACC opponents. Justin Fields gets Olave back. No Tony Elliott for Clemson. Seven points? Are you kidding me? I will gladly take seven points because I think Ohio State has a chance to win. I, I've been reading about this game. And for me, I think this is an easy bet. For the public to fall into a trap where they go, oh, Clemson minus seven, that's it? Yeah. No, this is going to be a close game. I mean, even look at last year. I think last year's Clemson team was better than this year's Clemson team. Much better. What, you guys lost by six, I think? Yeah, much better. And and, and I'm glad that you brought up the defenses because last year I was legitimately concerned with the strength of that Clemson defense. And it showed, especially in the red zone, where we couldn't find a way to get touchdowns. I just don't think that's going to be an issue this time. I don't see much of a drop-off between the Clemson defense and the Ohio State defense. The Ohio State defense, listen, I know it was Northwestern, but they shut him out in the second half. Only gave yeah. up 10 points. I I, I, I I, just feel like it's so easy to be against the Buckeyes right now, and, that, and that's fine because, as I said, I understand why everybody is against the Buckeyes right now. Nobody wants to see Ohio State in this playoff having only played six games, and there's a lot of frustration. But when you're looking at this from a betting perspective, you've got to look at it logically. And I think that Ohio State is enough of a wild card and has enough talent to cover this seven. And man, Justin Fields, my man, has one bad game and he is just sky falling off of draft points. I mean, did you see that? He's plummeting. It's brutal. I was like, wow. One game, and you know, and I, I think he's going to take that in stride. And I just, I, I'm nervous. I, I, I'm nervous for this game. But, but from a betting perspective. Give me the plus seven. All yeah, right, my man. Totally agree. This is pretty exciting. I mean, this is the first time since we have started the podcast that Alabama and Ohio State are in the playoff on the same day. 
That's pretty special. Yes, it's exciting. So, uh, really excited for that. Uh, let's go ahead and roll through the rest of these games. Uh, we got the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, number seven, Florida, number six, Oklahoma. Florida opened as a two and a half point favorite. This line has completely changed because Florida is playing with, uh, I don't even know if they have a team, right? At no, they're point. playing let's, with a skeleton uh, check of a team. Notes. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, Trask has nobody to throw to. Um, Oklahoma, minus seven. Uh, Brad, I'm I'm taking the Sooners. I mean, it's it's not just the Florida opt-outs. I mean, I was going to take Oklahoma plus two and a half either way. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes. Because Oklahoma, I just feel like defensively is going to be the difference. They're just playing so well on both sides of the ball. Uh, their defense is only giving up 16.5 points per game in their last six. They're five and one against the spread in their last six games. This Sooner team has come on strong down the stretch. And I'm yep. telling you that they beat a very good Iowa State team in that Big 12 championship game. And they jumped off, uh, jumped out to that 24-7 lead. Didn't really have to do much after that. Yes, so I agree. I'm taking Oklahoma. Um, looking at it from a breakdown the analytics of the, the betting standpoint, the books have Florida as like a 27 uh, team total and Oklahoma at 35, thinking that the books are going to automatically think Oklahoma is going to cover, but the over is at 69. So where are those extra points coming from? That's the cushion that I think they're giving Oklahoma for the for the lack of defensive players that are going to play in this game. Like you said before, Florida does not have a good defense, and now they're down defensive starters. I do think this is going to be an Oklahoma team that puts up the 35 to 40 points, and Florida's going to be sitting there with around 27 to 28. I think the books got it really right with the point totals, and I think it's very telling of what's going to happen in this game. Yeah. I like that take, uh, and we're definitely in agreement there. Uh, all right, moving on. Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, number eight, Cincinnati, number nine, Georgia. Uh, Georgia, minus seven here. Who do you like? I'm going to take Cincinnati, and it's tough for me to want to take Cincinnati since JT Daniels has joined this Georgia offense. It has been so dynamic. But Cincinnati proved time in and time out that they are a good defense. And outside of that, they're a good football team. This is their championship. Just like when UCF beat Auburn, we know that Auburn had opt-outs, but it's it's Cincinnati's national championship. They win this, they go undefeated, they get bragging rights that we beat the Power Five. And so I have to take the seven points. Brad, I had Cincinnati plus seven. I did, and I'm still uh, I still would not be against taking them uh, plus seven on the day. But as as for right now, I'm gonna roll with Georgia minus seven. And it's really just what I've seen out of JT Daniels. I really think that he is turning around what this program can accomplish. I mean, I I really think he gives them that next level in that passing game. And I've said that for weeks. You know I've said that. Since since just his first couple starts, you see the difference. And not just the way that the offense operates, but just the entire team. Because Georgia's always had a stout defense. But they've never been able to move the damn ball since... Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, they haven't been able to move the ball. And they've been missing that quarterback. And, and I think that this game for JT Daniels is a uh, chance for him to take another step. Whereas, you know, uh, in, in years past, it, it just looked like the end of the road for them. Now, on the other side, Cincinnati is a very good team. Absolutely. Desmond Ritter has, has been red hot. He's been playing lights out. Um, I can see this one going either way. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I had Cincinnati outside my top 10 all year and I had Georgia inside the top 10. So I'm rolling with Georgia. And if I could just talk about that for a second, Brad, everyone always complaining, right. 
about Cincinnati, you know, not being uh, given a chance and uh, not being ranked higher. And why is Georgia in the top 10, right? Why is Georgia number nine? You know, what, what, well, they're favored by seven points. So it's like, like to me, it's like these lines in these games, it's like, okay, Cincinnati and Georgia, here we go. Georgia's still favored by seven. It's just, it, it doesn't matter where you're ranked. It, it just matters the quality of the team. And it, would I love to see uh, Cincinnati win this game? Absolutely, I would. Um, but I just feel like this is going to be a situation where Georgia proves why they were in the top 10. All right, moving on. PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, a very weird matchup. Uh, <laughs> number 25, Oregon, uh, the champions of the Pac-12, and number 10, Iowa State. Iowa State, four-point favorites here. Who do you like? I'm going Oregon, um, and it's gross. It's gross that I'm going Oregon, but if Kayvon Thibodeau is playing, I think that he's going to give Mr. Brock Purdy a lot, a lot of trouble. That defense has the ability to stifle and cause turnovers and, you know, a little bit of a recency bias thinking about um, thinking about the USC game, but I really do think that Oregon stands a chance to win this game outright. And it's all because of the defense. Yeah, uh, Thibodeau for me is coming on like we knew he would when he was originally recruited. And I feel like next year he could be that, you know, uh, Chase Young, Nick Bosa difference maker for them. I mean, he's that good. Um, and he's really starting to show that now in, in in these big games. I mean, it was unbelievable to watch him in that Pac-12 championship game completely control the game. And Slavis had no answer for that Oregon defense. No, um, no. But that's what happened in that game is that Oregon was able to control that game uh, by forcing those early turnovers. I don't see that happening again. I think that Iowa State on the flip side, taking them minus four, I think that they're going to be the ones that are able to control the game on the ground with Brees Hall, with their strong defense. Who Yes. They went down 24-7 to Oklahoma. They end up only losing the game 27-21. But holding Lincoln Riley's Oklahoma team to 27 points, um, that's pretty impressive to me. So – Seeing how it's only four points, uh, I'll take the Cyclone. So there's part of me that thinks that Iowa State can win this game and it'll be a blowout. But that's just too easy for me. I think that I have to look at this from Thibodeau really just disrupting things and and that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how Oregon plays in this game going into next year, um, really for for both programs. But uh, that that's what makes it a very weird but uh, very interesting matchup. Uh, and that should be one uh, that should be full strength on both sides. So uh, that'll be yes. one of the uh, more exciting matchups. All right, let's go ahead and cap it off with the Capital One Orange Bowl. Uh, number five, Texas A&M. Number 13, North Carolina A&M. Seven and a half point favorites here. Uh, speaking of opt-outs, oh my Lord. Uh, North Carolina also playing with absolutely nobody. I mean, their record-breaking running backs, out. Top wide receiver, out. Leading tackler, out. Sam Howell is on an island all by himself. Uh, having that said, uh, I have to roll with AM. Uh, I, I just have to, uh, you know, I, I had Miami over North Carolina and North Carolina had a record setting day, but the reason that I, that I originally took Miami was because North Carolina's defense has not shown me that they can play well. They played well against Miami, um, and against Derry King. That was really impressive, but I think this is Kellamon's last game at AM, and I think that there's going to be enough motivation here for them to cover the seven and a half. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's I think that the teams are a lot closer on paper when they're both even strength. But when you have a bad, 
bad defense. We're talking about this the second time we talked about this in the podcast. Like North Carolina's bad defense. They're playing against a senior ready to go to the draft. That senior's going to do everything in his power to ball out. I think that this Texas a team wins by close to 20 points. And it hurts me to say that, but when you have a North Carolina team who's not coming with their best weapons and they already – I think they already would have been a four-and-a-half-point underdog with all their weapons, it just entices me more to take Texas a and Yeah, I, uh, I see a blowout here as well. So uh, we'll see how that one shakes out. So next week we'll be back. To talk about, yes. hopefully, fingers crossed, hopefully we are talking about an Alabama-Ohio State National Championship game, but we will see what happens. There's a lot of work to be done there. We will also be talking about Wild Card Weekend. Uh, as I've been saying all year, Brad, uh, I was just ready for the NFL playoffs to start because uh, it's going to be a hell of a run. Yes, dude. I'm so stoked. Looking forward to 2021. All right, man. Everyone, please be sure to download What's the Spread on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or however else you get your podcast. Best of luck this weekend.